Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. On this episode of the show, we'll be talking to Deb Calvert, who's a leading sales trainer and sales leader. But before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you guys know that on November the 17th, I'm launching the B2B Sales Mastery Summit. It's a summit I've put together featuring over 12 different sales experts who will teach you some new and exciting ways to sell in the B2B space. I have people from Dan Locke, Dr. Cindy McGovern, Josh Elledge, Kimanzi Constable, Paul Brody, and a lot more who will be training different sales techniques and strategies that apply in the B2B space, but more importantly, help you secure more deals and make more commissions. So I'm looking forward to sharing more details about that. But if you want to read a little bit about it, you can go to my website, which is www.odogwu.com forward slash summit, and then you'll see a link to the B2B Sales Mastery Summit. Now, without further ado, on with the podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is Deb Calvert. Deb is the president of People First Productivity Solutions, Inc. She offers sales training, coaching, and leadership development products for her clients all over the world. She leads the Stop Selling and Start Leading movement and founded the Sales Expert Channel, which hosts a wide variety of sales experts and speakers. She's a certified executive and sales coach, and she's a certified master of the leadership challenge. I'm pleased to have Deb on the show today to tell us a little bit more about how to stop selling and start leading. She's the best-selling author of the book, Discover Customs, Get You Connected. So with that said, Deb, welcome to the show. Gee, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. I'm, I'm really, really honored, honored to be, to be here. here. I noticed, I noticed how, how engaged, engaged and enthusiastic your audience is, so... Uh, that, uh, makes that makes this extra, extra special, special today. Awesome, Deb. So, Deb, I read through your bio and your background, and I listened to other shows that you've been on, and I know that you did not um, have this your business. You didn't start it a long time ago. Maybe it's 13 years now, but you were once upon a time working in the corporate space, um, working for big organizations, leading sales and training. So tell us a little bit about your career trajectory, you know, from possibly when you first started to how you got to where you are today. Uh, well, I started actually with a journalism degree and I went to the newspaper in my local city and uh, tried to get a job as a writer, but they weren't hiring and wanted people to start out at, at smaller papers. So I took a different strategy. I decided to take whatever job they'd give me at that newspaper. I figured I'd, I'd work my way into the, the side where journalists were. Uh, but instead, I, I found a job in advertising, and I absolutely loved it. So it was advertising sales. I have never looked back. The only way I've used my journalism degree is as a, a researcher and author, but primarily, my whole career has been in sales, and I went from that newspaper where I spent 16 years and rose through the ranks into management and into a director-level role, and um, ended up going to the parent company of Fortune 500, and only spent three years there before they put the company up for sale. The good news is, in those three years, I learned so much working in, in 39 different markets and learning from people in all different parts of the business, so that when the company was sold, I decided to strike out on my own instead of moving again and, and taking a job somewhere else. Mm. 
And since you launched your company, I knew you faced a lot of hard times and challenges until your business has become as big as it is today. So take us through those early stages where, you know, you started up, you know, you had no choice. Your your back was literally to the wall and you had to succeed. So what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in those early days trying to get your business going and growing? Well, I, I was unique. I was very lucky because I have never wanted for business. I had a, a good network. I made myself three promises when I started business. The first is that I wasn't going to keep doing it unless I could find business outside my own network, outside of media, where I was pretty well known and, and had good resources. I wanted to branch out beyond media. I wanted to make a certain amount of money, of course, and I wanted to be able to sell myself, not just have myself sold through a referral network. I wanted to make sure that my selling skills could also apply to this new business. And I was really fortunate because all of that, I gave myself a year, but all of that happened within just a few months. But I'll tell you what the, what the biggest challenge was then and continues to be now, and it's focus. I get excited. I, I want to do new things and more things and different things, but no one's good at everything. And uh, I, there's only so much time in the day. So I have learned the hard way and I keep getting reminders that I need to zero in in the places where I truly can make the most impact and can enjoy myself um, and still learn along the way. I can't do everything, but if I can have those criteria met, that that's enough. And it's 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 odd that even someone with your level of success still grapples with um, the issue of focus because you would think, okay. Um, at the point you're very successful in your career, you have a lot of clients and a lot of things going that, you know, everything is, the system is going and growing. So you just have to like work the system, but you, you, you were vulnerable enough to tell us that you still struggle with focus. And why do you think that a lot of business owners and a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with focus? I think there's the shiny new object syndrome. Um, we we do get attracted to new things. And in this age of, of such sweeping technology changes and something new emerging every day, uh, there's, there's a lot of temptation, a lot of opportunities that present themselves. And especially if you feel impatient or if you feel like one thing's not working, rather than continuing to plow through and, and make it work, we might be too quick to, to jump to something else. And if we're constantly jumping from one thing to the next, we're making our jobs much harder, but we're also never developing a brand in the marketplace. Nobody knows what our business is all about if we're not um, careful to, to keep that focus. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So let's transition into your book, Deb. Stop selling and start leading. The premise of the book is essentially you have salespeople who have literally gotten a bad reputation in the marketplace because when a prospect or a potential customer or client sees them coming, they know that, okay, this person is going to walk me through a discovery call and they're going to just try and slice and dice me and segment me into a particular bucket and just sell me me what they have. And they're not mm -hmm. going to take the time to listen to what I have to say and learn from my perspective what I'm looking for. You said the better way is to start a leadership conversation and look at it from actually 
having a two-way conversation where you learn from each other and you understand what's going through the mind of the buyer or the client and then you now decide, okay, do I have the product or service that will solve this person's problem or not? But in, 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 in as easy a way as you can explain it for, for all of us here, tell us a little bit more in-depth about how you came about that strategy and why is it a better strategy? Well, the, the, the way, way this came, came about, about is, is that, that I have, have worked, worked in two parallel, parallel tracks, tracks in selling and in, and in leadership development. development. And, and in leadership development, development, we know we that there, there are certain behaviors, behaviors very, very specific behaviors, behaviors that, that cause people to willingly, to willingly choose to follow us. And, and these are simple behaviors, behaviors things, things like following, following through on your promises, promises and commitments. So having so done this work for many years, this evidence-based leadership, leadership uh, program called the Leadership Challenge is something that I have relied on heavily. And it occurred to me one day that I think it would make an impact if sellers adopted those same behaviors. There are 30 of them. If sellers would choose those same 30 behaviors as leaders, I thought they might be more effective with buyers. So we went out, we did a huge research project. I was working with the original authors and researchers behind the Leadership Challenge. We conducted a panel study with business-to-business buyers, and we then did a seller-side component of the research, and we found out that Yes, indeed. Yes, Buyers are more, are more willing, willing to meet with a salesperson, and they're, and they're more, more willing, willing to buy from a salesperson or a business owner who exhibits these leadership behaviors. These these simple behavioral choices make a huge difference in how a buyer perceives you and responds to you. And this was extra benefit that came about. Salespeople and business owners, they tend to view themselves differently. They don't see themselves as those stereotypical uh, wolves in sheep's clothing salespeople when they enter into the relationship as a leader. And if I put it in the simplest terms that I possibly can, it's just this. Before our relationship was buyer-seller, our relationship was simply human to human, you and me. And if we can't have a, a natural discourse and we can't have trust and we can't have a, a relationship that just comes out of that connecting between two humans, well, the rest of it is, it's not going to work either. So let's start there. Mm. Now, one, okay, so let me be an advocate for the other side and say, okay, I, I get what you're saying, Deb, but you know what? I have a sales quota. I believe leadership will work, yes, but my managers are pushing me towards driving my sales quota and meeting my results for the quarter. Now, isn't this approach going to take much longer and cause me to miss out on the quotas that have been established for me that are by benchmark KPIs that will determine my bonuses and my raise and possible promotion? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Although, Although that's, that's a legitimate, legitimate concern. concern, I would expect, expect any responsible, responsible salesperson, salesperson to, to ask that same question. But when you're focusing on the quota and the KPIs and the, the processes without putting the human factor into it, you're actually going to take a lot longer. You're going to have more continuances. Your sales will take longer to close. They won't be advancing. You'll have to make a lot more cold calls just to get one appointment 
if you want to be more efficient, you have to be more effective. And to be more effective, you have to choose leadership behaviors. They don't take any longer. These are replacement behaviors. They're not add-on behaviors. And you will, I think, be very surprised by how warmly buyers respond to you and how far you can get and how much faster you can get there when you show up as a leader. Okay. I know you said earlier in the podcast you love tactics. So um, tactically speaking, what are some of those traits and characteristics of exhibiting leadership behavior? Is it through things like um, creating content or or what? No. So it, it's really about the interaction, whether it's your interaction on the phone, email, in person, through your social media. Your behaviors are very simple behavioral choices. I'll give you a couple to, to illustrate what I mean so it can be very tactical. One that buyers absolutely demand is what I mentioned a moment ago, to follow through on your promises and commitments you make them. I'll call that DeWYSIWYD, right? DeWYSIWYD, it's an acronym. D-W-Y-S-Y-W-D. Do what you say you will do. And... If you don't don't do that, that, you won't have have trust trust with a buyer. buyer. And a buyer buyer will hold you at a distance. They'll have have resistance to you. If you ever breach even the simplest promise that you make, like if you say, I will call you at 1230 today, and then you don't call until 1245, in the buyer's mind where trust is so fragile already because of the stereotypes, they now don't trust you even more. You've, you've taken the relationship the wrong direction. So that would be one example. I'll tell you another one that's very important. You mentioned it in the introduction earlier, and that is that buyers want a true two-way dialogue. They, they want to be listened to. They, they want to be heard. They want their questions to be answered. Unfortunately, especially in our discovery process, which is now getting blurred with our qualifying questions. A lot of sellers treat that, Chi, like it's a a survey. They're asking questions like uh, they're going straight down a list and and not even responding to what the buyers say. So it's not really a two-way dialogue. It's a one-way administration of a survey that's very boring to buyers. And so if we can just make this simple shift, instead of it being a diagnostic discovery, where we're only asking questions so we can diagnose which solution to offer, it needs to be a dialogic discovery, two-way, give and take. Maybe Maybe it's going to take five five or ten minutes minutes longer longer for for that that meeting, meeting, but in the the long run, run, it's going to get us so much much farther, farther, so much much faster. faster. Mm. That makes sense. And now, Deb, on the other side of it, looking at it from, okay, the B2B perspective where you have someone who's, um, you know, maybe a few years away from entry level and they're in a sales organization or in a sales role and they're trying to connect with um, a decision maker in another corporation who's going to be the one that will ultimately give the approval or give the go-ahead to make the purchase decision. Now, if you have that... um, imbalance of the power dynamic where a i'm younger and i'm trying to sell to a more established maybe somebody in the c-suite in the other company how how does somebody in a 
I, I don't want to call it a disadvantaged position, but would I say a junior position um, leads the conversation in such a way that the C-suite person or the decision maker is going to follow that person? Yeah, I think what you're really talking about is value creation. Okay. I won't spend a minute of my time with someone who doesn't make it worth my time. I don't care what their level is relative to me. I just need to know that there's going to be value, even in that conversation. So it's not about value later on when I make a purchase. It's value right now. So the way you do that tactically is you, is you ask, ask thought-provoking questions. questions. You, 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 you demonstrate, demonstrate that you've done, done a little bit of your research, research ahead of time, that you can bring some, some, some new ideas or some, at least questions that will make, make me think. Cool. All right. So as we start to wind down the show, Deb, I usually transition towards the personal development side of things because I know personal development plays a huge role in building a mindset when it comes to sales and marketing and growing your business. So I know you alluded earlier that, you know, um, you didn't have so much challenge because you knew people when you started out your business. But if you could just think back to, let's say, maybe even when you were in corporate and you faced a very challenging time and you had to figure out a way to, to solve the problem and overcome the obstacle. So could you think of a time where you faced a really significant challenge in your career and how did you uh, extricate yourself from that situation? Oh, absolutely. And I've had many, many challenges uh, throughout my entire career. I think we all have. I, I personally believe that the best way around a challenge is to face it head on. And I don't mean that you are reckless um, I certainly, I certainly don't, don't mean that you, that you go, go looking, looking for, for those challenges because it's nice to have breaks, breaks between them. them. <laughs> but when, when they, they come, come, to me, facing it head on means that you, first of all, take ownership. ownership. Okay, whatever happens, happens, I'm accountable and I own this. Maybe I'm going to be a complete failure in this, but that's okay because I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow. Now I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to dive in and seek out that learning opportunity. Uh, and, I and I do believe, believe the other piece of facing it head on is having the humility to acknowledge what you don't know or where you could get another opinion or uh, where you're most likely to make a mistake or be vulnerable. And then go look for some help. Somebody out there has had this challenge before. They can give you some guidance. We don't have to have a fear of exposure or think we're supposed to figure it out all on our own. The best part of having a, a, a really good network is using it, <laughs> getting the knowledge that's out there that, that you don't have, but somebody else does. Awesome. And um, look, looking at it from, okay, predicting the future, what are some of the trends you're seeing in sales that people need to start adjusting in order to continue to see success in their business? I, I think AI is going to be... Tremendously important in all aspects of business. Okay. Artificial intelligence, though, doesn't mean that we get to take a break. Uh, we can't expect tools and technology and AI to do the job of selling for us. All it can do is open doors and, and point us into ways that we can maybe be efficient in process. But where I think people are making mistakes right now is that they are believing that AI is going to do the work of, of forming relationships for them. And, and that's never going to be the case. So using AI to 
look for efficiencies in process, but continuing to build those strong, strong relationship skills that supplement whatever it is AI is doing for you. So the basics still stand regardless of the fact that AI, machine learning and all that is still going to come into the business world. You still have to be able to learn how to network, how to connect with people, how to be authentic and relatable and and, and basically learn how to talk to people and get your message across in a very effective and efficient way that adds value to the person. Well Well said. said. Yes. Yes. I think think that's that's exactly exactly what what it's about. Awesome. Awesome. So before I let you go, Deb, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, what what you have going on, where people can find you, get your book, um, possibly connect with you on your other platforms? Yes. Yes. So So first first of all, let's let's personally personally connect connect, since that's that's what we've been been talking about. about. And And I think think one of the easiest ways to do that that is to look for me, Deb Calvert, on LinkedIn. And let's start some conversations. My website is PS. Dot com. Um, the PS stands, stands for Productivity, productivity Solutions. Solutions. And we, we offer, offer a lot of content, content there. there. So, so subscribe, subscribe to the Leadership, leadership newsletter, newsletter. Subscribe separately to the Sales Newsletter if that's of interest. interest. And, and uh, then, go then go look, look at, at one other website. website. That's, that's the SalesExpertsChannel.com. Because, because over there, there, you're going to find 150 sales experts from around the world who have contributed videos and webinars and incredible content. And we've indexed it all by topic. So if you're looking to learn anything at all about sales or marketing, it's right there and it's free. So by all means, bookmark that site, connect with me on LinkedIn, take a look at my website. Oh, and go over to Amazon if if you'd like and pick up my books, Stop Selling and Start Leading and Discover Questions Get You Connected. And I'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes once this episode is published and ready to go live. So with that said, Deb, thanks a lot for coming to share your story and to teach us more about how to stop selling and start leading and basically how to become better sales professionals. I truly appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Well, thank you, Chief, for hosting me and thank you to all of your audience for listening to our conversation. Thanks for listening to the podcast episode today. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode, please leave a review and a comment on iTunes. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. If you're interested in increasing your sales and marketing skills, then you're definitely going to want to check out the B2B Sales Mastery Summit, which is launching on November 17th. We have tons of great speakers and consultants who are going to train on how to improve your sales and marketing game, especially if you're selling in the B2B space. So you can find out more details about the summit by going to www.odogwu.com forward slash summit that's s-u-m-m-i-t to learn more about a b2b sales mastery summit so till next time guys take care of yourselves stay bulletproof and of course have a great business week